My sister was sick. I was not, but I don't remember what she had, but it made it so I couldn't go to school either for like a week, which was fantastic. I was, I was young, and my parents suddenly realized we've got a problem on our hands. We've got to figure out something we can do to keep this guy entertained around the house while his sister's sick, and we technically can't go anywhere for a while. And so my dad went to the video store, and he rented a Super Nintendo Entertainment System, an SNES and I was playing the SNES, and it was fantastic. And when the time came for us to return the system to the store, I said, Dad, let's just keep the system. We'll just pay for it. He said, no, we're, we're not going to keep it. And that's when I realized for the very first time in my life that the path to happiness in my life was going to be a Super Nintendo Entertainment System. That if only I got an SNES, I would be happy for the rest of my life. I knew that I would be. And guess what? After a while, we got the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. And it was fantastic. It was a great system. And then I got tired of Zelda. Because it came with Zelda. And then I played Zelda. And I got tired of Zelda. And then I realized, I just, I need another game. And then another game. And another, and don't get me wrong. The SNES had some amazing games. Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball, still the best baseball that's ever been produced on the SNES. Great game, hours and hours and hours spent playing it, and it made me happy, but even after a while, Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball didn't do it any longer. And that's when I learned for the very first time that so much of what brings us happiness is fleeting. So much of that which we think, this is going to be the thing that cements it. This is going to be the difference. For some people, it's a relationship. For some people, it's a career. For some people, it's a house or a certain level of savings or investing. Fill in the blanks of what it is for you. And for a lot of us, it's a combination of the, of the three or four things. We follow after the American dream. We try to realize our full potential. And we think, this is what's going to be the antidote. This is what's going to satisfy my longing. This is when I'm going to feel alive. This is when I'm going to feel fulfilled. This is when I'm going to be happy. And sometimes those things come true. Sometimes we find the love of our life. Sometimes we find a great career. Sometimes we find the perfect house. Sometimes our investments pay off and it's just a fantastic time where we feel we have safety and security. But what happens is sooner or later, the relationship, the new wears off. We recognize, oh, as incredible as that person is, they still have problems. As awesome as the dream house is, there's some cracks in the walls. And there's some projects that need to be done. The money is fleeting. And it can be gone in an instant. And thus, we have to ask ourselves the question, what brings us fulfillment? What brings us fulfillment? And can we even know fulfillment that's lasting? Can we even experience that in our lives? And that's what we're going to talk about over the course of the next few months 
as we take a look at the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. If you have your phones or your tablets, I'd invite you to follow along with us in the Bible app. It's a free resource that you can download in the app store of your choosing. And once you've installed it on your device, there's a feature within the Bible app called Events. And you can find Lakeside Community Church either by enabling your locations or typing in zip code 54201. If you have a traditional Bible with you this morning, the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes it's about halfway through the Old Testament. You can find it that way. If you're joining us via the stream, thanks so much for watching. The verses will be available on the screen below as we start in just a minute. Looking and analyzing what makes us happy. And this is something that we value. This is something we value as people. It's, it's really bred in the DNA of our country that the Declaration of Independence guarantees the, the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So what provides it for you? That's the question I want you to wrestle with and ask yourself as we look at Ecclesiastes here in just a minute. The author of Ecclesiastes was Solomon. He was the son of David. And he asked God, God's, God appeared to him and he said, ask me anything you want. And Solomon asked God for wisdom. And God gave it to him. Who's the wisest person who ever lived. In fact, he rendered a decision that's still referenced today. Solomon rendered a decision that's still referenced today. We don't have time to look at it this morning, but if you want to check it out this week, 1 Kings chapter 3. It's a, it's a fascinating story of, of two women. They came. They were both prostitutes. They lived in the same brothel. They each had had babies born just days apart. And tragically, one of the babies was suffocated one night, and it died. And in the course of the night, the mother, grieving the loss of her child, went and kidnapped the other baby, who was still alive, and switched them. And then the mother, whose baby was still alive, woke up next to a dead child, only to recognize that that child was not her child. So they went before Solomon, and Solomon said, which of you is the mother? And both women said, I'm the mother. And Solomon said, bring me a sword. We'll cut the child in half and give each of you half of the child. And the real mother of the child said, no, don't hurt my child. Give my child to the other woman. The other woman said, cut the baby in half. Grief can cause all kinds of emotions. And Solomon said, it's obvious who the real mother is. Give the child to the mother whose life the child would have been spared by. So incredibly wise, incredibly wealthy. 1 Kings 10, 14 gives us a glimpse into Solomon's wealth and adjusted for today's dollars. He had over $1.5 billion of wealth generated annually. Annually, $1.5 billion of wealth generation annually for Solomon. In terms of sex and relationships, he had over 700 wives and 300 concubines. 700 wives and 300 concubines. You name it. Sexually and relationally, it would have been fulfilled. Accomplishments. Accomplishments. He was king for over 40 years. 
He was king for over 40 years. And during that time, there was peace. There was no war. And there was prosperity amongst the nation for a reign of 40 years. So much so, so much so that silver, the precious metal, was as common to the people as as pebbles. Silver was as common to people as generic stone. An incredible rule, an incredible reign as a king. And yet, what we're going to see as we see the book of Ecclesiastes is it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. And that's why over the course of this series, we're just going to ask you this question. What happens when you achieve everything you can imagine and you still long for more? What happens when joy is evasive? What happens when happiness disappears and nothing seems to fill the void? Maybe you've experienced that in your life. Maybe you haven't, but you know people that have, and that's what we're going to investigate. Ecclesiastes 1, verses 1 and 2, we read these words. The words of the preacher, Solomon, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Let me remind you. Let me remind you what Solomon had accomplished in his lifetime. He ruled for 40 years. It was peaceful. There was no war. There was a time of prosperity. He himself generated over $1.5 billion annually, 700 wives, 300 concubines. There was nothing his sexual appetite could have desired that wasn't fulfilled. He's seen as a wise leader. His judgments are still talked about to this day, and yet here he is at the end of his life, and he says it's all in vain. Vanity of vanities, it's all in vain. It's, he's looking at his life, he's looking back on the course of his life, and he says it's all in vain, it's all in vain, it's all in vain, it's all in vain. And he goes on. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. As he's analyzing his life, he starts by saying, it's all in vain. It all, it's, it's all just vanity. And then, he re, then he asks the question, what does it even matter? What does it even matter? What's the point? And the reason he comes to this is because he looks out and he recognizes that the machine keeps rolling. The machine keeps rolling. Most of you are very familiar with this because the vast majority of you are Packer fans. And so you you recognize this. You had an all-time phenomenal Hall of Fame caliber quarterback, Brett Favre. Fantastic legacy. Fantastic player. And yet the, the legacy of Brett Favre cannot be reported without the end. But here's the quarterback who delivered the Packers their first Super Bowl in 30-some years. His play starts to falter a little bit. Then he rediscovers himself, shows that he can still do it. The team drafts another quarterback. And for three years, there's tension. There are fascinating articles and podcasts devoted to this topic. And then Aaron Rodgers takes over. He wins the Super Bowl. He has phenomenal play. And Brett Favre, is, he's dismissed. 
He goes and plays a season for the Jets and then a couple for the Vikings. The machine keeps rolling. And Aaron Rodgers was excited for the opportunity. And then a couple years ago, Packers draft a quarterback. And you may have your thoughts on whether or not Jordan Love can be the next Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. What's fascinating is how the mindset changes. And Aaron Rodgers today, versus when Aaron Rodgers was on the bench and wanting the opportunity. Solomon looks out at the world and he says, this is what happens. It just keeps going. What's the point? What's the point? The machine keeps rolling even without us. The machine keeps going. He continues, the sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea. But the sea's not full. It isn't satisfied. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. Solomon says, what's all the effort worth? What's all the time and all the energy and all the passion? What is all the effort worth? Let this be a sobering reminder to us. That as 1 Corinthians tells us, whatever we do, whatever we do, as people that love and follow Jesus, whatever we do, we are to give our absolute best effort. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for God, not for man. That's what 1 Corinthians instructs us to do. That as people that love and follow Jesus, if we're going to do something, we are compelled to give it our all. To give it our all not to coast through, not to get by, not to do just enough. If we are going to do something, if God has put us somewhere and given us an opportunity and a platform, we are obligated to give it our best. And yet, let this be a reminder to us to not find our significance in a place of work, to not find our worth and our value by our employment, to not Find it there. Someone says, what is all the effort worth? And this is what gives us perspective. This should give us perspective in our job. This should give us perspective in our lives. That yes, because we love and follow Jesus, we do our best, but we don't find our value and we don't find our worth in our positions. And when that gets out of balance, our entire life gets out of balance. He goes on, all things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has been already in the ages before us. He says it's never enough. 
It's never enough. No matter what you accomplish, you're going to want to accomplish more. And that's why we talk about the importance of setting goals and setting the target. Because if you don't set goals and you don't set target, as soon as you hit the target, you're going to see, well, somebody else has something better than me. Somebody else has something nicer than me. Somebody else has done something greater than me. And we constantly shift our focus and our gaze and we can never celebrate a win. We can never celebrate what God has done because the target keeps moving. And Solomon here says it is never enough. No matter what you accomplish, you're going to want to accomplish more. No matter what you do, you're going to want to accomplish more. And what's even worse is there's nothing new. There's nothing new. And, and we recognize this. How many movies have you seen with a fresh concept? My favorite film this year is the sequel to Top Gun. Think about that for a minute. My favorite movie this year is a sequel from a movie that came out in 1986. And that's, my, that's the favorite film that I've seen this year. Is the sequel, and it, don't get me wrong, it's a fantastic movie. Probably better than the original. But there's this idea. There's this idea. You look at it's so much of what comes out in terms of in terms of art and so much of it is remakes and sequels and and, and the success of Marvel's turned everything into a franchise now. There's nothing new. There's nothing new. Elton John's just reworking his songs and he's popular. Elton John, think about that. Elton John is popular again. What? Cuz there's nothing there's nothing new. There's nothing new. There is no remembrance of former things. Nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. He says, even when you accomplish phenomenal things in your life, even when you accomplish those things, no one ultimately remembers it. You're a generation at best two or three away from being irrelevant. I mean, just... Turn to your neighbor right now and just share with them, just share with them your favorite feature of the Hayes presidency, all right? Turn to your neighbor right now and just tell them what you really loved about the Hayes presidency, right? Like, I, I don't even know when Hayes was president. The only reason I know that there was a Hayes president is because I was tortured at some point in high school and had to memorize all the presidents. I don't know anything about Hayes policy. Now, I mean, some of you might be historians and know an awful lot about the Hayes presidency, but you're the exception, not the rule. And we're talking about somebody who led the country not that long ago. And so if that's where our fulfillment is found, if that's where we find our worth and our value, and Solomon here, is looking over the course of his life. And he's looking at everything he's done. And he says, it's all vanity. It's all in vain. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem. And I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all 
is vanity. A striving after wind. He says, I've analyzed my life. I've analyzed everything this world has to offer. And as I look it over, here's the conclusion. Here's the conclusion that I've found. There is a plethora of misery. There's a plethora of misery. And nothing really matters. What Solomon has accomplished, he says it isn't enough. It didn't bring happiness. It didn't bring fulfillment. It didn't bring joy. And he closes out chapter one with this. What is crooked cannot be made straight. And what is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is but a striving after wind. For in much wisdom is much vexation. And he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. I've done it all. I've seen it all. And I'm not happy. I've done it all. I've seen it all. And I'm not happy. And I don't know what you've accomplished. I don't know what you've achieved in your life. And we've all accomplished things. We've all achieved things in our lives. And I, I don't mean to be offensive, but I'm just going to tell you, whatever you've accomplished isn't as impressive as what Solomon accomplished in his life. It just isn't. He was the leader of a country for 40 years. There's no war. In a time where wars broke out constantly, there was prosperity for all his people. He generated wealth of $1.5 billion annually. 700 wives. 300 concubines. He had, he had just all kinds of things that you could ever want. And this is what Solomon's life tells us. Power won't do it. Money won't do it. Positions won't do it. Sex and relationships won't do it. Accomplishments will not do it. And yet those are the very things we strive after. Those are the very things we convince ourselves if there's a void in our lives, well, if only I could do this. If only I would accomplish this, then I would be happy and I would be fulfilled. And yet, how many times do we have to see, whether it's politicians or celebrities, it's never enough. It's never enough. We convince ourselves that I just need, if I only had more wealth, 
If I only had more wealth. And yet we recognize that oftentimes the wealthiest people are the most miserable people you could ever encounter. I mean, imagine being wife 695. Like the first 694 didn't lead to fulfillment, but you were going to be the one. So the question is this, what are we striving after? What are you striving after? Because ultimately, it's not going to do the job. So we're going to arrive at the answer. And I'm just going to tell you what it is today. This is the answer. This is the piece that's missing in Solomon's life. And the answer and the piece that's missing is this. A proper perspective. A proper perspective. The only path to peace is through a relationship with our Creator. And everything short of that that we strive after ultimately will not bring us the fulfillment that we need. Because we were created with a need. We were created to have a relationship with our Creator. And we rebelled against our Creator, and we messed it all up. You and I have all made those choices. But our Creator still loved us. And so He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and to pay the price for us so that we could have a path to a restored relationship with our Creator. Because this is the only thing that's going to bring us fulfillment. And you might be skeptical. And you might say, yeah, I'm in a church. <laughs> so, of course, that's going to be the message that they say. Of course, that's going to be the message that, that they're proclaiming. Is that it has to be this way. And my question to you, if you doubt this, is very simply this. Then what is it in your life that has brought you fulfillment and joy And how has it been lasting? What in your life has brought you that fulfillment and joy, and how is it lasting? Because there's the euphoria when we go on the chase. There's the euphoria when it's brand new, and when the concept is out there, and we're running after it. Think back to when you first fell in love with somebody. Oh, that was easy, and that was fun. So it was just natural. It didn't take effort. There was nothing wrong with that other person. Everything about them was phenomenal. And they had things that you didn't understand. They were cute. They were fun. Little differences. They bring us closer together. And that's what makes the world work. And then you got in a relationship. And then it was, well, okay, it's not as cute as I thought it was. But, you know, God put me in their life to fix them. That's all. Like, I'm here. To, I'm just, like, 
I'm just going to do what God's called me to do. I'm just going to fix you. That's why God brought us together. You're blessed. And what happens is the relationship develops. You recognize they're a lot more like their mother or father than you ever thought. And there isn't any fix in that. Think back to when you, when you couldn't wait. You couldn't wait. You knew that this career, this career was going to be the launch point. This career was going to be what set you apart. This career was going to be what did it for you. And you prepared and you worked hard and you got that job interview and you were on cloud nine and you nailed it. You knew walking out, I got this job. And then they give you the offer and you got the job and the offer was, it was everything. And you went in and you started the job and it was great. Then you recognize my boss is kind of an idiot. Like, but if I become the boss, then everything's going to be fine. And then you become the boss. And then you recognize, ah, my employees are kind of idiots. Because <laughs> it isn't enough. Whatever it is for you, it might be something else entirely. But whatever it is for you, I'm just going to tell you, that God has given us passions and God has given us desires. And yes, we feel his pleasure when we follow after those passions and we follow after those desires. But if that is your source of significance and if that is what you are putting in your mind as going to be the arriving point for you discovering joy once and for all, you are going to be sadly disappointed. Because Solomon had more of it than you could ever Dream of. And as he inventoried his life, he said, It's all in vain. And the reason why is because the wisest person who ever lived, that God gave him wisdom, and he had it all figured out in his head, but it didn't transport into his heart. And in his head, he had all the wisdom that he could ever, ever dream of, ever desire and ever want. But his heart, his heart was not devoted to his creator. And everything else that he put in his life to try to replace that need for a relationship with the God who created him, Let him empty. Wanting more. And I don't know what you're chasing after. I don't know what you've convinced yourself is going to be it for you. But I'm telling you, anything apart from having that relationship with God, not just up here, but more importantly in here, is going to leave you empty and longing for more and a void that you can never fill. 
You don't just have to take my word for it. Just look around. Look at our culture. Look at your friends and family. Sadly, all too often, all we have to do is look in the mirror. What is your heart chasing after? God, I pray that in all the things we desire, in all of the things we strive after, that you would be for, first and foremost in our life. That accomplishments are not bad. Relationships are not bad. Wealth is not bad. But God, anything we chase after to replace our need for you will ultimately lead us to a place where we are unsatisfied. And we want more. So God, I pray we would find our fulfillment and our delight and our love for you. That, yeah, we would accomplish some really cool things in our lives. But first and foremost, would be our relationship with you. Thank you for giving us your son, Jesus, and his sacrifice for us so that we could experience this restored relationship. path that leads to peace, the path that leads to joy, the path that leads to fulfillment. With grateful hearts, we thank you, God, for loving us in spite of our rebellion and still desiring us even when we didn't desire you. May you be what our hearts long for and what we run after. In your Son, our Savior, Jesus' name we pray. Amen.